We live in a world filled with different opinions. And right now, it seems like everyone has an opinion about everything. So when do you live and let live? When do you just let something go? And when do you take a stand in your opinions? Welcome to This Divine Moment, a podcast all about learning to notice and respond to the work that God is already doing in each of our lives. In today's episode, we talk about the courage to stand alone, the moments in life when it matters to stand upon the truths and opinions that you hold dear. Hey everyone, welcome to This Divine Moment. I am your host, Ben Cornick. I am a father, I am a husband, I'm a pastor, I'm a speaker, and I'm also someone who really values my relationships. I have many friendships and uh, just people in my life that I, I do the best that I can to keep up with them and make sure that we're doing well. And uh, one of the things that happens when you're in relationships with people is you have to have these moments when you decide whether certain things are worth it. Uh, So for example, maybe a certain topic comes up. It could be politics or vaccines or, um, you know, masks or not masks or religion. I mean, it could be all sorts of things. And uh, something comes up and someone shares an opinion. And maybe you disagree with that opinion. What do you do? Do you just try to politely tell them that you disagree? Do you argue with them? Um, How long do you argue with them? Do you let the relationship go because you're not willing to budge on your opinion and they're not willing to budge on theirs? Or can you agree to disagree? See, these are questions that I think a lot of people are asking right now. A lot of people have had pain in their relationships in the last 18 months because of all of the different opinions that have cropped up over so many different issues. But it feels like an onslaught, like there's just so many things that people are arguing about. It's, it's like there's, there's no shortage of issues to divide relationships. And at the church that I work at, Christ the Rock Community Church, we've been doing a series called Come Together. And if you're interested in that, you can look up uh, Christ the Rock and check out that series. It's been really good. But we've been talking about how to overcome differences. And one of the main things we've been talking about is that in relationships, you have to be willing to make peace. The Bible says, as long as it depends on you, make peace with everyone. So as long as it depends on you, you've got to make peace with people. You don't want to be the cause of division in your relationships. But what happens when you feel the need to take a stand? What happens when there is an opinion or a situation where you feel like, I can't let this go. I can't just roll over on this. I, I, have, to, I have to speak. I have to stand up for my convictions. Well, there's actually many moments in scripture where people took a stand for truth, even if they knew it would bother other people. And, and so it's, it's about learning the art of knowing when to do that, knowing when it matters and when it doesn't, because we're supposed to be at peace with everyone. We're supposed to make every effort. And so that means there's times that we can stand up for the convictions we have in our soul, and we're still trying to make peace with people. It means that that's possible, but we have to learn the wisdom of knowing when. 
And there's this story uh, about this king who wanted to go to war. And he, he really wanted to go to war. And he was asking all of his military commanders. And, and then one, one person finally said to him, you need to first seek the counsel of the Lord. Like you need to talk to God about this. And so this king, he was actually the king of Israel at the time, he brought together all of these prophets. Now, if you're not familiar with the term prophet, it's really, this is a person who's supposed to hear from God and then tell other people what God said. And uh, this, this was a very important function uh, back in the ancient world. Uh, in many traditions, it's still a very important function. And even among Christians, there's still a function of what it means for people to uh, have a prophetic gift. But what's interesting here is that this king brings together all of these prophets. This king's name was Jehoshaphat. <laughs> uh, try naming your kids Jehoshaphat. Uh, but uh, Jehoshaphat said, you know, is there, is there a prophet that we can talk to? And it's interesting because all of these prophets that he talked to, they all said, go, like go and fight this battle. The Lord will be with you. You're going to win. And then he realized that there was one prophet that he had not talked to. And this prophet's name was Micaiah. And he actually didn't want to talk to Micaiah because he said, Micaiah never prophesies anything good about me, but he always says something bad. And he's like, so I hate that guy. Like, I do not want to ask him his opinion. I don't want to ask him what he thinks the Lord might be saying. But he knows that he should. He knows that it's the right thing to do. So he brings this Micaiah guy in, this prophet, and he asks Micaiah, okay, what, what should we do? And Micaiah says, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. And so he, he asks him, okay, so should we, should we go or should we not? And Micaiah says, attack and be victorious, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand, which is the exact thing that all the other prophets had said. So then the king gets angry with him and says, can you just tell me the truth? What do you really believe? And then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. And this idea is that the king would be struck down, that if he goes to this battle, he's going to be struck down and, uh, quote unquote, the sheep would be without their shepherd or the people would be without their king. The leader would be dead. And so Micaiah, he, he finally shares what he believes is true. And it is the exact opposite of every other person that the king talked to. Have you ever had a moment like that in life? where you, you hear all these other people sharing their opinion and you feel like you're the only one with your opinion. And maybe it's not even just like an opinion. It's a conviction. You're like, I can't do anything other than this. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Martin Luther, the, uh, the Catholic monk uh, who wound up founding the Lutheran uh, tradition because he had convictions and he posted them on the door of Wittenberg, Wittenberg Church, and he wound up getting uh, like brought to a court proceeding where they asked him to take back everything he said. And he said, it's, it's not a smart thing to go against your convictions. And so 
Um, I believe that everything I said lines up with the Bible, and I'm not going to go against my own conscience, so I can't take anything back that I said. The actual quote is, I cannot and I shall not recant. And it's this powerful statement of there's times in life where you, you just can't do anything else. You, you can do no other. You have to stand in the conviction that you have. And uh, lately I've been feeling this. There's been moments where I feel like the direction that everyone else is going, I, I think I'm going to go the opposite way. Like I see these things that everyone else is doing and it causes me to want to just say I have to go in opposite direction. And so, for example, there's a lot of people sharing big opinions all the time on social media. And I, I have opinions about things. I feel really strongly about certain things. But there's a lot of opinions that I don't need to share. And so I look at that and I go, I'm just not going to share them. That to me feels like a conviction. Uh, I'm, I'm a pastor. Like that's, my, that's, like, that's my job. That's what I get to do on a day-to-day basis. I, I love being able to do things like podcasts and online videos and things like that. But truth be told, uh, the, the thing that I do that makes up a lot of the fabric of my life is pastoring uh, in a local church. And I know pastors and have seen a lot of pastors who are really obsessed with being cool. Like, uh, not like some guys, they're just kind of cool because they are, but some guys it's like, they're just really trying to be cool. They're trying very hard to keep up with what's cool. And I just remember one day going cool changes so fast, but there's certain things that never change. There's certain things, certain truths, certain ideas that don't change. And I'm not going to try to keep up with the trends Um, I'm going to try to focus my time on the things that never change, like Jesus and his word and his kingdom and his ministry. And so I just decided I'm going to stop trying to keep up with cool. And instead, I'm going to just try to be real. And that's a conviction for me. So I have these convictions where there's these moments where I see everybody moving in one direction. And I go, I think I have to go the opposite direction. I, I don't think I can do this thing that everyone else is doing. And so sometimes in life, you have to realize that your actions are going to speak louder than your words. The way you do things, the way you live your, li- your life, it's going to speak to people. I mean, you can share your opinions, but the way you live your life, the way you live out your convictions that is what's going to speak to people. That is what is going to get them to notice the life that you're living. They're going to notice what you're all about. So sometimes we have to have the courage to stand, even if we're the only one. Hey, I wanted to take a minute to tell you about something that has been super helpful to me in these last few weeks. Uh, Maybe you are trying to get into the discipline of reading God's word. Maybe you're trying to learn more about God and you want to read the Bible, but you're just not sure how. You're just not, you're not sure a a good way to go through it. Well, I'm going to regularly tell you about different resources on this podcast, and I want you to know that you're never going to hear a sponsored ad on this podcast. So when I stop the podcast to tell you about something, it is because it's something that I am personally doing and something that I'm excited about. And so what I want to tell you about is a Bible resource called the Bible Recap. 
It's a regular daily reading plan that you can find on the YouVersion Bible app, and it takes you through a reading every single day. Uh, it, it also includes videos for the different books of the Bible uh, that is made by the people at the Bible Project, and it helps you to be able to understand the books that you're reading, why they were written, who they were written to, and what they're all about. Not only that, but then there is a podcast called the Bible Recap Podcast, and so if you want extra resources. If you want to understand the scripture even more, you can go to their podcast after you do your devotional reading for the morning, which really only takes a few minutes, and you can listen there. And if you say, I find it really hard to read, well, on the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, you can actually hit audio, and you can listen to someone else read the Bible to you while you're working out, while you're driving, while you're mowing the lawn, or whatever else you find yourself doing. So the Bible Recap Bible Reading Plan is a great way for you to get into God's Word and to help you to understand God's will for your life. I hope you check it out. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about the idea of standing alone, that there are moments in life where we have to have the courage to stand alone in our convictions. And I'll tell you what, this can be an absolutely divine moment. If you look through the pages of scripture, you'll see that people like Noah and Moses, and in the New Testament, someone like Stephen the disciple, and many others They learned how God would meet them in the loneliness of that moment, the moment where you're standing all by yourself in your convictions, and yet they would feel the presence and the power of God so strongly in those moments. So you'll find that there are times in life where you are standing alone, where you feel like there's no one else who is with you, and yet you can feel the presence of God, that you're actually not alone, that God is with you and he's helping you in that moment. But we also have to be careful. See, I think there's times that we can allow our own bias to help us to assume that whatever we believe is right. And so I'm not talking about uh, what you believe is uh, right and wrong in a sense that if you think it's right, that that means that anyone else who disagrees with you must be wrong. But there are times where you have a conviction and whether other people believe it's right or wrong, you can't live any other way. And, you know, so I gave a couple of examples earlier of things that maybe aren't such a big deal, but there are other things that are a big deal to me. Um, There's there's certain hills that I'm willing to die on, certain hills that I'm willing to say, "I, I will not budge on this, because here's the thing we have to be careful of. If you've watched the film, The Social Dilemma, if you're on social media, they design social media to keep you coming back. So they will keep giving you more and more content based on what you've already viewed and what you've already liked. They pay attention to how long you'll watch a video, how long you'll read a post, how often you'll look at certain types of posts, and then they'll keep showing you more of that same kind of thing. So what happens is after a while, you find yourself in an echo chamber where it's just you and your opinion because everyone that you're watching their videos or reading their posts, they already agree with you. And so really, you're just getting fed more and more of your opinion, and it's confirming your own bias. So we have to be super careful about this. And so you have to ask yourself, what hills am I willing to die on? Is this worth it? 
is this the hill that I'm willing to die on in this moment right now? And sometimes we go, well, yeah, yeah, I feel really passionate about this. So again, it might be, you you might get an argument with somebody about something like critical race theory or vaccines and masks and mandates, or maybe it's just about politics. Maybe it's about uh, economics. Uh, Maybe it's about how to raise a family. Maybe it's about the idea of marriage. Maybe it's about ideas that surround gender and sexuality. I mean, there are so many issues, right? So in the moment, though, you can feel really convicted and intense about something. So ask yourself this question just to give yourself a little bit more perspective. How am I going to feel about this in 10 years? Because I promise you that your opinions are going to change. How you feel about things is going to change. So you have to be careful because there's things that I felt really strongly about a few years ago. Um, Some of them were kind of dumb. Some of them I think were, you know, they had a lot of weight to them, but I still have changed my opinion. And so even when it comes to worship style, a few years ago, I had really strong opinions on worship style in a church service. Now um, I have different opinions and they, they might be just as strong in some ways, but I care more about the theological implications now than I do the musical style and how it's performed. Um, But then on another note, like I said earlier, I have strong convictions about certain opinions when it comes to all these things, but I have an even stronger conviction that just posting my opinions willy-nilly on social media is kind of just like lobbing grenades over a wall and not knowing where they're going to hit. Years ago, I was invited into a debate uh, with some atheists, (laughs) Um, and I said, well, why, why do you want me to be a part of this debate? And they said, well... As a group of atheists, uh, we call ourselves free thinkers and open-minded. And then we realize that the only group of people we're not open-minded to are Christians. So we decided that if we're truly free thinkers, we'd want to hear what the Christians have to say. So we want to do a debate with Christians where uh, we talk about uh, the Bible and Jesus and faith. And we figured that you would be a good person. I said, why, why do you want to choose me? And, you know, and they said a couple more people from your group would be great too. I said, Why? said, well, you're the only Christians we've ever talked to that just seem reasonable. Like, you you don't try to shove it down our throat the whole time. Now, what they didn't say was that we didn't have convictions because we did and we lived them out. What they said is you don't you don't try to argue with us all the time. Like you'll listen to our opinions and you'll you'll tell us things like I see where you're coming from. And I even agree with some of what you're saying. But here's what I don't agree with. And you'll respectfully tell us what you don't agree with. And so I got invited to this panel and I said, look, I really, I don't love the idea of a debate. What I love the idea of is a conversation. So what if we sat around a round table and we had a conversation together rather than a debate and they agreed to it. And it was an incredible night where I got to share the gospel with like 200 atheists. It was super, super cool. Um, And it was just a really fun opportunity. But here's why I shared that story. For me, the conviction was conversation. I don't want to do a debate. I want to have a conversation. I want to hear one another out. And in a debate, you you by default, you are listening to respond, not listening to understand. In a conversation, you should be listening to understand, 
not listening so you can respond. So that is a conviction for me. And so that trumps my other convictions about things like politics and vaccines and whatever, because the point is, is I can't, I can't have a real conversation with somebody over social media. And so to me, that's what I'm talking about. In 10 years, I might have different opinions on different things, but my conviction around uh, being able to have a real conversation with somebody, I don't think that's going to change. And so I don't feel I don't feel guilty about that. And in 10 years, I think I'm still going to feel really good about the decisions that I've made. So in 10 years, how are you going to feel? And think back. So that that's a future thinking thing. Think back as well. When did you take a stand for some opinion of yours, some conviction of yours in the past, and you regretted it later? You know, maybe, maybe it was in a college class and you, you argued with the professor about something. Maybe it was just with some friends around a lunch table and you got really mad at somebody and you, you haven't talked to them in years. Maybe it was on social media where you said comments to people and later on you wound up regretting what you said or you changed your mind, like I said, because we do. And now you're thinking, man, that's so dumb that I was, was just so passionately arguing with people. Because often there's a thing beneath the thing, right? There, there's something else going on there most times. Uh, there might be other emotions at play that we're not even aware of, or there might be other things going on underneath the surface that we're not paying attention to. And that's why we get so passionate about these different ideas. So think back to a time that you took a stand and it, it just wasn't worth it. But also think back to any time you took a stand and it was worth it. Maybe it was in a relationship. Maybe you had to set a healthy boundary. Maybe, maybe you had to say to someone, look, I'm willing to talk with you about something, but every time you talk to me, you're completely disrespectful. So until we can have a respectful conversation about this, no more. Uh, or maybe it was on an issue of truth. Maybe, maybe you had somebody who was talking to you and you stood up for your convictions. And then maybe later on they came to you and they said, hey, thank you, because you really helped me to see that. You really helped me to understand that better. So was there a time that it felt worth it to stand up for your convictions? And uh, for me, um, I, I know the hill that I'm willing to die on. And it's the same place that I find my wisdom and my courage to stand alone when I need to. And that's in Christ. For me, the only hill that I'm truly willing to die on is Christ and Christ crucified, his, his rising from the dead. That is, that is where I am willing to, if someone says to me, well, if that's your belief, then I can't have a relationship with you, then I tell them I can't have a relationship with them. One time when I was in high school, I had a, a guy who was a, kind of a friend. Um, he was becoming a friend. And then one day he asked me about my opinions on Jesus and eternity and and I just shared with him what the Bible had to say. And he looked at me and he said, do you really believe that? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, okay, well then, you know, we're done. Like, I, I'm never going to talk to you again. And I kid you not, every time I saw him after that, he would not talk to me. Like the friendship was over. And it was because of my beliefs. Um, I, I remember another time where I was at a church gathering and uh, the worship pastor said something like, hey, 
if this is your conviction, uh, we want you to come stand at the front. And it was something about like living for Jesus or something like that. And so I went up to the front to respond to this, this worship moment. And I was the only one. I was at a youth group with like a hundred other kids and not one of them thought, yeah, I want to stand for Jesus. (laughs) And, uh, and I know like if you grew up in evangelicalism and in Christianity, you might go, oh yeah, I remember those altar call moments and, and it can start to feel hokey and cheesy. But for me in that moment, it was really, really real. And it still would be today. If someone said, Hey, if that's you come here and stand, like you want to stand uh, for Christ, then come up here. I would say, yeah, I, I want to, I, I don't want my life to be about some, some other thing. I want it to be about Jesus. And so I went up and I stood at this, in front of this altar, this stage, uh, for like five to 10 minutes all by myself. And, uh, then like the moment was over and the pastor was like, Hey, you know, like normally he'd say, everyone go back to your seats. And he was just like, Ben, you can go back to your seat. (laughs) And when I got back to my seat, all my friends like congratulated me like, Hey, that was really incredible. And it made me feel even lonelier. Because I'm like, ah, oh, it's really weird that you'd all congratulate me. Like, why didn't you go up there too? And I just remember how lonely I felt in that moment. But then as I've studied the life of Christ, I find courage and wisdom in the way that he lived. There's many times where he realized that he had to say something that other people wouldn't like. But more than that, there was a moment in his life where he was abandoned by everyone. Everyone abandoned him and he was taken uh, into a really a sham of a court proceeding. And then he was sentenced to death eventually to die on a cross. And in all those moments, he was standing alone. And then he hung on a cross and he wasn't technically alone. There was these two criminals on either side of him. But I mean, could you imagine the loneliness that he was feeling? Because we all know that feeling, like you can be surrounded by people and yet still feel absolutely alone. So he was alone in that time. And then he even says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus actually had to undergo a rift in the Trinity so that he could take sin into the grave and then rise from the dead. So there's a moment where the goodness and the fellowship of the Trinity was... uh, separated from him, was taken, taken away from him. And I still can't even wrap my mind around the theology of that moment in time. But all I know is that Jesus did that for you and for me. He died for your sins and for mine. He stood alone and he hung on that cross alone. And then he went into the grave alone and he rose from the grave so that you and I don't have to be alone. See, when we're in Christ, we are never alone. In Matthew 28, Jesus, he tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations because all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. He tells them to baptize people. He tells them to teach people everything that they've learned from Jesus, to obey his, his commandments. And then he says this, and surely I will be with you always until the end of the age. Meaning that until Jesus comes back to make all things new, he is with us. And you might say, well, how is he with us? 
Because even, even if you're a student of the Bible, you would know that Jesus said that he had to go prepare a place for us, and then he ascended to heaven. So how is he with us? Well, because of the fact that God is three in one, the Holy Spirit was sent after Jesus ascended to heaven. And the Holy Spirit dwells in every single person who's a follower of Christ, who believes in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, by grace through faith. And so if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your life, you have the very presence of God with you at all times, at all times. There's not a moment where you would have to feel separated from his love and his presence. That's the promise that he gives to us. And so if you are in Christ, if you have made that profession of faith, then you are never alone. God is with you. And that means even when you have to stand alone, that you can trust that God is not going to abandon you. In Ephesians 6, Paul encouraged believers with this. He, he said, you got to put on the, the armor of God because our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Our battle is against these rulers and these authorities and the principalities and the powers of the dark world. And so he's saying, you've got you've to realize that there is a battle, but it's not against your neighbor. It's not against your family member. It's not against your friend. It's against the, the forces that are at work to try to destroy humanity. Then he says this, so you got to put on this armor of God. And when you have done everything else you know how to do to stand, keep on standing. He's like, you've got to stand. And so I love that because he talks about what it means to take a stand, that if you find your identity in Christ, and then you learn how to walk in the spirit, how to let the Holy Spirit dwell in your life, then when those moments come, those moments of battle, those moments of frustration, those moments of fear, you can stand in your convictions and you can stay standing. Even if you're the only one, because you're truly never alone if you're a follower of Christ. And so may you know the love of Jesus in your life. May you put your faith and your trust and your hope in Jesus and him alone, the work that he did for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, the fact that he's coming back again someday to make all things new. And may you find the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in your life because of that faith and because of that grace. Not only that, but as you find that power, may it give you the power to stand in your convictions, even when you're the only one. May you find that courage in the Holy Spirit. Not only that, but may you also find the wisdom to know what hills to die on, to know when you should stand or when you should simply just walk away. And in all of these things, may God reveal himself more and more and more to you. And may you look back and know that you lived a life that you do not have to regret. Well, I want to thank you for joining me for this divine moment. And I want to share with you something that is really exciting to me. See, I am so thankful for all of the listeners who are part of this uh, community and um, just friends and family and new friends that I am meeting because of this podcast. And we have crossed over the 1,000 listens barrier. <laughs> so I am so excited. Thank you for making this podcast 
um, a podcast that feels so worth doing. Um, I have just gotten such great feedback from so many people who are saying how helpful this is. And we, we've had over a thousand podcast episodes listened to uh, all together. Um, and this is my 20th episode. And so that's just so exciting that um, there's so many people who are listening, so many people who are subscribing, um, liking it and rating it and reviewing it. And so thank you so much for being a listener. Um, I hope that this podcast continues to encourage you and help you along in your journey in life as we are all trying to learn what it means to be human, who God is, who we are, and when we can learn to pay attention to the work that he's already doing in each of our lives, uh, there is such incredible things that can take place. So thanks for being a listener. I pray that the Lord blesses you and keeps you. And I hope that you join me again next time for another episode of This Divine Moment.